Good morning and welcome to New Life Dresher's virtual service. My name is Anthony Gamage. I'm the lead pastor here, and we exist to know Jesus and to make him known. Uh, I would love to know that you joined us this morning. You can do so by uh, texting the word CONNECT to the number on the bottom of your screen. Uh, You can also download our app by searching New Life Dresher in whatever app store you may use. But either way, thank you for being a part uh, of this time here today. Uh, Today is Mother's Day, so I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the moms who uh, are among us. I often know, or I also know that this is a very complicated day for many as well, uh, filled with uh, unfulfilled longings of the heart, uh, challenging relationships, and for several in our congregation since the pandemic started, uh, the loss of their mothers. And so uh, know that I am praying for you on this Mother's Day, as it may be uh, uniquely painful for you that you'll experience the Lord's care and nearness during this time. And I also just want to thank the category of the spiritual mothers in all of our lives uh, because uh, you have played a remarkable role in pointing me to the person of Jesus. And so just know that I'm very thankful for you. Uh, And so uh, praying uh, for all of you uh, on this day. Well, today we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapters 29 and 30. And as we do, uh, we're coming to the end of this book. And so uh, some of you are cheering, some of you are uh, still trying to figure out where we've been, but uh, it's been a joy to walk through uh, this rather challenging text. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open in them to Deuteronomy 29. Uh, and then we're going to be starting in verse 1. But before we do, I want to talk to you a little bit about my mason jar. Uh, if you've been on a Zoom call or one of our prayer meetings, you may have seen it make a cameo uh, full of water as I take a swig from it uh, over these past weeks. And, and it's not there. It's a quart size, and so it's rather large. And I don't drink out of it just because I like big things because I'm kind of a large person, but uh, more because I, like many of you, I was trying to start some good habits in my life. And part of it was uh, over the pandemic. And, and part of this was uh, water intake. And so a quart-sized mason jar just made sense. If I drank four of those a day, I'd be doing better than I was before. Uh, and so one day I walked by the kitchen bar where I had sat my mason jar, and, and I looked, and there's water all around it. And so I'm like, yeah, that's a lot of water for just, you know, after I fill it up with water. And so I, I, I wipe it up, and I come back uh, about 30 minutes later, and sure enough, there's a huge puddle sitting there again and and I pick it up and sure enough there's a little crack on the bottom and and water has just kind of been slowly seeping out of my mason jar. Well back in the 1800s there was a famous pastor and evangelist who was preaching on Ephesians 5.18 where it says be filled with the Holy Spirit and he basically commented to the crowd who was listening hey do you know why this says I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He says because my spiritual life leaks right? He's saying over the course of time, there is, there is a sense that uh, there's just this slow leak, maybe rapid leak, I don't know, but, but where I just constantly need the Lord to bring vibrancy to my own life. Now, let me unpack that term spiritual life, uh, bring it out of the clouds a little bit. Uh, as I'm referring to it today, and I think as we've read through the book of Deuteronomy, as we look ahead um, through the rest of the Bible, at least in the Christian faith, uh, spiritual life can be uh, depicted as uh, loving God in such a way that it also fosters loving people or loving our neighbors. And, and in the New Testament, we see that this comes through faith in the person of Jesus Christ. We see Paul, the apostle, painting this awesome picture of what a vibrant spiritual life looks like, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, I tried to quote it last week, and I I couldn't remember it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a song. I'm sorry I did that to you. I'm singing to a camera in an empty room. But, but, But that's the fruit of the Spirit, right? A vibrant spiritual life. Isn't that awesome? 
Here's the problem. In my life, can't speak for you, but, but in the last couple of weeks, and especially since the governor said we're going to be in this house arrest lockdown posture for at least another month, that spiritual life, that vibrancy, well, it feels like it's kind of leaked out of me a little bit, right? I don't sense that fruit of the Spirit as much as I do kind of the fruit of the seven dwarfs. Grumpy, sneezy, whiny, numb, grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. I know those aren't the seven dwarfs. I have no idea what all of their names are. But, but that is more how it's been in my life than, than this vibrant spiritual life, right? My jar has a crack in it. <laughs> I need the Lord's filling. My love for God and others have, has felt like more like it's gone from uh, 4K HD to uh, a black and white television set. Have you felt that way? You know what's interesting? As I studied this passage here this week, it struck me who Moses was addressing this to. Right? It was the Israelites. After they had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, in a, in a sense, they've been sitting in red and yellow. Right? That's what Governor Wolf has called the reopening sections. Uh, and, and they're just sitting there on the edge of the Jordan waiting to go to green. And i got to imagine, 40 years felt like a long time, a lot longer than the last 60 days have felt. This is what Moses delivers to them. He delivers to them a, a covenant renewal ceremony. And so let me give you a little bit more context. Let me read to you from chapter 29, verse 1. It says, These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab. Now, context. Moab is where they currently are as Moses is getting ready to give this covenant renewal ceremony. They're in Moab on the edge of the promised land. But then it goes on and says, besides the covenant that he made with them at Horeb. Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where this same covenant was made initially with his people 40 years ago, right? The Ten Commandments, uh, Tablets of Stone, and so this is a renewal. This isn't the first time this covenant has been made. Why do they need a covenant renewal ceremony? Well, I think in part is because they are a bunch of, as my friend Ashley Fearson used to say, cracked pots who leaked, right? I'm going to quit using that term here in just a second, I promise. And they did so even though they knew all the right answers. Like they had seen pillars of fire and they had seen the Red Sea and yet they still turned away from God. They needed renewal. And friends, we're no different. Renewal is actually a pretty uh, common thought in uh, the Christian world, and, it, and it's important. It's an important Christian idea. In fact, I would go so far as to say we are in continual need of some form of gospel renewal where the gospel doctrines that we know up here are actually experienced at a heart level, not simply uh, grasped intellectually. Now, don't worry, I'm not becoming an experientialist and, and going overboard there, but, but there is this connection between head and heart, and I believe that is part of what happens in this covenant renewal form, uh, shoot, ceremony. And so as we lean into this, this by no means is a formula, like A plus B equals C. It's going to work out like this for you every single time. But I will say, as we walk through Scripture, or if you were to walk through Scripture, you see, as God's people need renewal, these principles come up time and time again. But again, not a formula, but principles that we need to pay attention to, because we all need 
gospel renewal if we are followers of Christ. And if we are not, we also need gospel renewal. It just looks different. But let me pray for us as we jump in this morning. Lord, um, would you meet us in our own little uh, places of, of house arrest, maybe frustration, or maybe just feeling like life is black and white. Maybe it's a place of depression. And Spirit, I pray that you will use your word in our lives to renew us in hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, will you speak in and through me? Will you work in the lives and hearts of, of whoever will listen whenever they will listen? Draw our hearts to your amazing grace, we pray in your name. Amen. Well, four things we're going to look at with this uh, concept of principles of um, uh, uh, covenant renewal or gospel renewal that we see in this passage. First, this idea of memory, and this comes from chapter 29, verses 1 to 10. Let me read to you verses 2 and 3 first. It says, And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. And so what he first does is he says, hey, um, in this covenant renewal ceremony, I want you to remember the power that you've seen. You saw the plagues. You saw the, the, the parting of the Red Sea. You saw me feed you out of nothing, out of air, right? Manna, just showing up on the ground. In 7 and 8, we're not going to read it, but he says, I want you to remember even recently, in recent months, the, the battles that I gave you victory over your enemies. So part of this renewal is saying, remember, remember, remember. Verses 5 and 6 is a different memory he has them call to mind. He says, I have led you for 40 years in the wilderness, and your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn off your feet. You have not eaten bread and you have not drunk wine or strong drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God. You imagine your shoes not wearing out and your clothes not wearing out for 40 years? I want to shop at that place, right? And when he's talking about the having eaten food and strong drink, he's not you know, being a teetotaler or saying don't go out to nice restaurants. He's, he's essentially saying, hey, you haven't had to go out and, and trade for anything or make anything yourself. I have simply provided it for you. And so part of this memory that he, he wants to prod his people on is, is a memory of preservation. I have preserved you. I have given you your daily bread. Not extravagance, but your daily bread, your manna. Verse 9 says, Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. He's basically saying memory is linked to our wanting to obey God. Fernando Ajith says this, God's providence in our history assures us that we belong to God and encourages us to live in faithful obedience to the one who has redeemed us and to whom we belong. Friends, part of the reason we need renewal is because we are prone to forgetting. Spiritual forgetting is one of the reasons we need renewal. We are practically dories, right? We are spiritual dories. We forget. We just keep swimming. We forget God's power and his preservation in our lives. Well, friends, it's good for us to remember his power in maybe us coming to faith, 
right? Wherever he found us, how he changed us. It's good to remember how he came in and provided for us miraculously, but, but often in Scripture it points us to uh, an even greater memory of power and preservation, and it's through the cross. Second Peter 1, or Second Peter chapter 1, verse 9, when God is calling his people to love one another, he says this, Whoever lacks these qualities of loving one another is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. He's saying, hey, when we, when we lack that spiritual vitality, when we actually rebel by being unloving to our neighbors, we have forgotten the cross of Jesus Christ. He puts it positively in Ephesians 2, 12 and 13, uh, where, or Paul does, where he says, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So something that aids us in, in gospel renewal is memory. Here's the second thing, humility. Verses 10 to 15, I'm going to read 10 to 12 and then 14 and 15, but follow along with me. It says, You are standing today, all of you, before the Lord your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders, and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the sojourner who is in your camp, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, so that you may enter into a sworn covenant of the Lord your God, which the Lord your God is making you today. And then fast forward to 14. It says, It is not with you alone that I am making this sworn covenant, but with whoever is standing here with us today before the Lord your God, and with whoever is not with us today. All right, so humility. And here's where I'm going with this. And you're like, where did you get humility out of that? Um, The first idea is what you see here is Moses saying, Hey, we are all linked. We are all linked. And I say that because in verse 2, he says he summons all of Israel. And then in verse 10, it says they were all standing in front of Moses. And so as Moses delivers this covenant renewal ceremony, he's saying every single one of you needs to be out here because this is a community affair. Everyone from the leaders to the kids to the immigrants. And he actually says everyone who is going to come after this. It says for those who are not here, and I'll spare you the details, but most people believe that he is talking about God's people who follow after him, including the church. He's saying we are linked And the reason I put that underneath the title of humility is because, friends, we live in a day that is fiercely individualistic. Our hearts are prone to say, I got this, I can do this on my own, it's just me and Jesus, and you know what Moses is saying? Is it can't be. Faith is never alone. We need each other. But I think the humility comes in a second thing that we see here, and it's this picture of, of, of level. You know, the fact that Moses is saying, hey, everyone from the leaders to the kids to the immigrants are out here hearing the same thing. He's saying in the wilderness, the playing field is level. You all need the same mercy and grace and redemption that the highest official in the land has. None of you is above the other person. No one has arrived. Friends, part of the need for renewal is this reality that our heart defaults 
to self-righteous comparison that exhausts us. And there is a great danger, I would say, right now, in and out of the church, but I've seen it in the church in the last couple of weeks, that that we have moved from uh, this idea that we need each other, like, hey, we're all in the same boat, to shifting to this picture of, hey, my side of the boat isn't sinking. Bail harder. It's your fault. And we, we think our camera angle is the right one and the best one, and we fail to see that we are all in the exact same place of mercy, and we are all remarkably finite in our perspective. And, and, and friends, the ground is level at the cross. We all equally need his mercy. We all equally need his spirit of wisdom. We may find ourselves pushing away the very people we need to help bail with us, to bear our burdens. We fail to realize that without Jesus, we are all sunk. Friends, we all have leaks. (laughs) As we consider our brothers and sisters in Christ, are we we bailing together or are we balking at the other person? Are we building walls of hostility that Jesus has knocked down? I adapted a a quote from Jack Miller uh, where he says, Get low together and grace will meet you there. We need each other in the process of renewal. Third point, vigilance. Verses 16 to 19. And I'm just going to read 18 and 19. It says this. It says, Beware lest there be any among you, a man or woman or clan or tribe, whose heart is turning away today from the Lord your God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous or bitter fruit. One who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I'll be safe, even though I walk in stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. The third thing that he says, hey, in covenant renewal, part of the reason uh, or one of the things that we need to have is vigilance. That first term says, beware. What he's saying here is we are all prone to wander. There's a vulnerability of heart. Did you hear it when he said in verse 18, um, beware, uh, because there's going to be those whose hearts are turning away? He's not saying beware of those who do all these bad things, right? Those are really bad habits. Don't get caught up in that. He's saying, hey, their hearts are going to start going after these idols and other gods. And friends, that is the temptation of our hearts He goes on to call it poison, right? In verse 18, a root bearing poisonous or bitter fruit. He talks about how it's it's contagious. We see that brought forward in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, where it says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it it may be defiled. You know, this, just this week, uh, my neighbor asked to borrow one of my tools to cut something down in the back corner of his yard. And, and you may have heard me or remember me telling a story of how I had to cut out. He and I had to cut out our whole backyards when I first moved in. And, and it took tons of work. And in my arborvitae to the back left of uh, the yard, it had this little vine at the bottom. As I'm cutting away, I'm like, oh, there's a little vine. I just cut it. 
right, and just cleared it out and kept going with my day. Well, five years later, uh, my next-door neighbor comes and says, hey, I tried to cut down that stuff in the backyard, uh, the trees that I wanted to kind of save from that vine, and he said, yeah, it's not salvageable. The vine's kind of killed it. It's kind of sucked all the nutrients out of it, and he goes, and unfortunately, the vine is coming out of your yard, and he said, your arborvitae is pretty much dead, right, because it's just sucking all of its nutrients, and friends, that is why, that is a picture of sin, rebellion against God, of our hearts going after something other than God. And the picture is, 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 well, it's that quote that I've said to you before, kill sin or it will be killing you. It's contagious. It doesn't just stay in our tree and suck the nutrients of our spiritual life. It, it, it goes on uh, through the rest of the church. Moses calls them to vigilance because our hearts want to constantly sow seeds in places that will take our affections away from God. Here's the fourth point. Return. And this is chapter 30, verses 1 to 10. Let me read to you verses 1 to 3. When all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, And return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey the voice that I have commanded you today with all your heart and with all your soul. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you. And he will gather you again from the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. So let's talk about this idea of return. If if you're paying attention and if you imagine yourself listening to Moses' sermon, your heart might have sunk when you heard those words. Because what does he say? He says, when these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse. Moses is assuming that the curse is actually going to come upon his people. And they're sitting there going, yo, we're not even in the land yet. And you're selling us off? Really? Like, we could keep this, Moses? Moses knows that they're prone to wander. In fact, 31.16, he actually paints this picture of saying, no, God tells Moses, they're going to go into the promised land and become serial adulterers against me. And it assumes that those curses we talked about last week, about being scattered and put into captivity, that is going to happen. But then in verse 3, we start to see the language of him saying, you'll return. Before we get to the return, uh, the other thing I want you to see here is that part of return is God's word. It says, when you think about the blessings and the curses, when you call them to mind. He's saying, when you call my word to mind, that will begin this process of return. Friends, God's word triggers return or repentance. You see it through Josiah in 2 Kings 22 and 23 where somebody's reading the law and he's like, yo, I haven't heard this. We need to turn back to God. Friends, I am of the opinion that true repentance and true return can't happen apart from God's word. Because we talked last week about God's word being an MRI, right? It shows us the problem, but it also gives us the phone number or the web address of the doctor that we need to go to who heals us. But without God's word, we are are privy to whatever fancy comes to our mind. God's word is part of the means of grace, the conduits of grace that God uses to draw us to himself. These means of grace points us to the third bullet point, the works of another. Verse 6 of chapter 30. It says, The Lord your God will then circumcise your heart 
and the hearts of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your life. Let me go back and read Ezekiel 36, 24 to 27. This is a prophecy that uh, Ezekiel made hundreds of years later as God's people were well on their way into captivity. He says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your heart or from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God is saying, you aren't able to do this. You need the work of another. You need my work to bring you back to myself. Well, we just read in 36, it sounds 30, chapter 30, verse 6, sounds odd where it says, I'm going to uh, you know, circumcise you and what have you, but that is a picture of God saying, I'm going to cut off the flesh that rebels against me, that prevents you from being able to love me and follow my commandments, and I'm going to make you love me. In Ezekiel, it says, I'm going to remove your heart of stone and give you a new heart and cause you to be careful to obey my rules. What he is doing here is he's moving us from being cracked pots to vessels that receive this new covenant, right? This old covenant won't suffice long term. But the new covenant that we're talking about is everything but a cracked vessel. It's more a wine glass. It's Jesus the Last Supper, holding up the cup and saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. That work that God was pointing to back then in Deuteronomy chapter 30 was pointing us ahead to the work of another, Jesus Christ, on the cross on our behalf. Friends, the most important aspect of of, of gospel renewal is recognizing that we cannot accomplish true obedience to God on our own. That we cannot accomplish salvation on our own. It requires the work of another. But the, the, the human heart defaults to work righteousness. And what spiritual renewal does is it moves us away from thinking we can do it on our own, works righteousness spiritually, and moving us back towards the work of another in this picture of grace. It moves us away from uh, sanctification that yields justification to justification that means we can then obey. Friends, we love to rely on our sincerity, our past experience of our conversion, our recent religious performance, but that gets exhausting. In fact, when we're exhausted, it might be a good question to ask. Is, am I obeying God out of a means of self-salvation? Or am I obeying God out of gratitude for his already accomplished salvation? In verses 19 and 20 of this passage, he says this. Moses says, Therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live. Friends, could I just encourage those of you who have never, ever trusted in Jesus Christ, right? This isn't renewal. This is something that you're just exploring. You know, before us, what we see is God saying, you can't do it on your own, this whole spiritual life thing. 
right? Part of the reason you may be exhausted is because you've tried your whole entire life to accomplish it on your own. But what God is saying is, come to me and be renewed because it's already been accomplished for you. You are loved if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Therefore, you obey. Not, I obey, therefore I am loved. So in conclusion, renewal comes as we remember. Most importantly, as we remember his power and perseverance that he demonstrated for us through Jesus Christ on the cross. As we come to him in humility, understanding that we need each other, and that at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. We're renewed as we understand that we need to be vigilant over the affections of our heart. And that the affections of our heart are drawn away from those idols and towards the one true God as we place our eyes on Jesus, the one who has accomplished the work of return on our behalf. Friends, we constantly need spiritual renewal through God's grace alone. Let me close this in prayer. Well, Lord, would you be with us in this time that is so challenging? Would you renew our faith in you? Would you be with those who don't have faith in you yet? Lord, use this to bring them one step closer to yourself. And God, move us away from this, I've got this on my own, to I desperately need the work of another in Jesus Christ. Thanks for this time. We pray these things in your name. Amen.